everybody. Welcome back to the Pub Trivia Experience. My name is Chris, and what a fun little show we have for you tonight. Now, if you've noticed anything by listening to the podcast before, you know that we are not really big fans of having stringent rules around structure or anything like that. We're very much more go with the flow. So we got a little bit of a hybrid game here tonight. It is a combination of like our regular game and the uh, the game that the folks over at Things That Got Wrong run on a regular basis. We have four rounds of trivia for you tonight. We have got four participants, and all four participants have brought three questions with them. At the end of the four participants' round of questions, we have got my lovely wife, Leah, who has written our wager round. And at the end of this game, we will have one winner and a bunch of losers and one very tired wife. Let's see what Leah is drinking to keep herself awake. How you doing, babe? Hi, everyone. Um, I am having a very Charlie Brown day. So um, when you're having a Charlie Brown day, you can go one of two ways. You can either just embrace the Charlie Brownness and drink whatever the hell you want, or you can be smart about it and just stick with water because your day sucks so bad, you got to at least put some nutrients in you. Um, so I went that route and I am drinking water. <laughs> Which is ironic given that four of my bottles of bourbon are in front of you, but you're just looking at drinking out of your water glass. Yeah, it's just, they're all just staring at me. It's all right. We're going to head over across US 19 to Palm Harbor. Jeff, how you doing, sir? I am doing well. Doing well. Happy to be here again. I feel like it's been a while, but maybe it hasn't. I don't actually know. We know we we took a little bit of a hiatus from recording, so uh, we are we are going to be replenishing our, our bank of, of episodes. Um, but it, ha- it hasn't been that long. It's been that you, you've been really busy over the last yeah. two weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, getting a job is good. Yes. Uh, getting a new job, however, is also uh, a lot. So um, I've been doing dealing with that. But what I've also been doing is buying a lot of bourbon. So tonight, I'm actually cracking open two of these and giving them a uh, side-by-side test. Uh, I've got the Elijah Craig Small Batch and the Larceny, both the Sunshine Liquor uh, of Palm Harbor store picks. Jeff, I have those same same bourbons here right in my hand, but these are the Corona Cigar Company store picks. But yeah, I'm actually I'm drinking uh-huh. the Elijah Craig myself tonight, so uh, I'm curious to get your Ooh. opinion. Very nice. Yeah, well, uh, so far, uh, I've just let a cube of ice melt into it, and let's see. Okay. Wow. Um, I think that I've been riding the 100-plus proof train for a little while now. <laughs> uh, this one coming in at 94? Uh, that's, I mean, like drinking water. That's that. There's no burn to that at all. Uh <laughs> Yeah, this is where we find out I have a problem, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's intervention time. Uh, yay. Uh, that's quite good, though. Quite good. So shout out to Sunshine uh, Liquor Stores up in Palm Harbor. All right. All right, we're going to bring it out to Huntsville, Alabama. Mike and Nikki, how y'all doing tonight? Oh, we're doing pretty good. Doing good. Doing good. What's in your glass? 
Uh, it's been a it's been a week. I'm tired, so <laughs> I figured I would not make it. If I drank my normal Jack or wine, I'd probably be asleep. So I have coffee tonight <laughs> with a little cream and sugar to to keep me um, awake. Because otherwise, you'd just hear me go a lot of uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Accurate. Been um, there. <laughs> I am both uh, being incredibly predictable and uh, going outside my comfort zone. Uh, the predictable side is that I have a uh, lovely beer here from the Tim- Trim Tab Brewing Company out of Birmingham, Alabama, which has basically become my calling card. Uh, the outside the comfort zone part is that it's actually an imperial sour ale. It is a mm-hmm. banana, tangerine, and pineapple imperial sour called the Beachcomber. Let's pop this puppy open. It looks really tropical. See how it is. Like on the, I mean, like if if anybody, I mean, if I can describe this uh, can to you, I mean, it looks like Hawaii in a glass. Oh my gosh, that's actually really, really good. Does it taste like Hawaii in a glass? It does taste like Hawaii <laughs> in a glass. That's good description. That no, that's yeah, that's fantastic. It's very, um, it tastes like. It tastes like exactly, it tastes banana, and pi- banana, tangerine, and pineapple. That's what it does. It tastes like banana, tangerine, and pineapple juice. It's not super sour, which is where a lot of the sours really turn me off. It's very refreshing. Um, we actually had a, a little bit of a somewhat warm weekend, especially for what's right now uh, late November here in Alabama. So I was like, this is about the last weekend I might be able to pop this open and have it yeah. be seasonal. And it's, it's hitting the spot. That sounds really good. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I have a feeling that's kind of the what Marissa would be drinking right now if she was in Birmingham. That sounds like a Marissa beer. Yeah. It does, right? Yeah, she loves the sours. I think she'd really, really like this. I like pineapple yeah. and beer. I, I like that combination. Mm-hmm. Pineapple beer, pineapple pizza. You can't go wrong with any of these combinations. Ooh, now we're stirring up controversy here. I know. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah, like some, pineapple you might, you might make some people mad with the whole pineapple pizza thing. I'm just here to be controversial. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, tonight uh, we have no necessarily ho- necessarily host on duty, but we have my lovely wife Leah, who is going to try and wrangle us together and get us through this game. Leah, take us away. All right. My official title tonight will be facilitator. I will that be makes, facilitating tonight's that makes game. Sense. Um, I thought so, I thought you were going to be cat herder. <laughs> oh well, that too. Um, okay, so I've come up with our pre-game uh, round for this game. And so everyone, all four of our contestants are going to be answering all five of the pregame questions. And I'll kind of go over what that's going to be like in a minute. But tonight's uh, pregame round is going to be real or fake. So the most popular cookie in the U.S. based on sales is the Oreo. Made by Nabisco, their traditional design consists of two chocolate wafers separated by vanilla cream filling. However, they have produced many varieties of the cookie since they were first introduced. I'm going to give you five possible limited edition varieties of the official Oreo cookie. And you are going to tell me if it was ever a real Oreo cookie or if it was a fake Oreo that I made up. Are we ready? Let's go. All right. So your first variety of an Oreo. And I'm going to give you guys a little description afterwards, just so you know. Um, is the Firework Oreo. It was much like the original Oreo, but had bits of red and blue candy throughout the filling. You guys tell me if you think this is a real Oreo or a fake Oreo. I'm locked good. In. I'm locked. Well, locked in. 
I mean, I don't, I don't have any way to, to get there beyond whether I think this would be a real thing or not. And I, I guess my immediate inclination is to say that my first, my first instinct was to say that it was a, it was a fake Oreo. So even though for some reason I feel like you'd start off with a real one, my first gut was to say fake. So I'll say fake. Okay. So Mike says fake. Chris, what did you say? Um, I actually went with real. I think that sounds very plausible, and it sounds like something they might do for, like, the 4th of July, so real. All right, Jeff, what do you think? I actually believe that I remember seeing these uh, and also went with yes, it's real. All right, and Nikki, what did you say? I also thought real because I was thinking about 4th of July. That's a good marketing thing. Okay, so the, your correct answer is yes, it was a real Oreo. It yeah. was a limited edition in May of 2017. Oh, so it was like, it was recent. Okay. May 2017. <laughs> and these were all ones that were released in the United States, just so you know. There were a lot overseas, but I omitted those from the list. Oh, good. Because if we got into, like, Japan flavors, they'd be wild. <laughs> oh, yeah. There yep. was one that had, like, wasabi in it, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. A wasabi Oreo? Yeah. It I'm was... kind of intrigued. Well, as long as it didn't have the horseradish, that wouldn't necessarily be super spicy. <laughs> uh, okay. So your second variety is the Jelly Donut Oreo. Made of golden Oreo cookies, it had a ring of vanilla cream and a small dot of maple-flavored cream in the middle. I don't care if this is real or not. I want one now. <laughs> that sounds delightful. I'll lock. Yeah, I'll, I'll lock, lock as well. <sighs> All right, Nikki. I mean, I want to say, I mean, it sounds like something they would do, but I've never really heard of it. I just felt like if that was real, like I would have heard about it because it's like a jelly donut. So I'm going to say fake. Okay, Chris, what did you say? Um, You know, I. Those things that sound too good to be true are, but I went real. Okay, Chris went real. Jeff, what did you say? I went with fake on this one. I don't I don't recall this one. All right, Mike, what about you? I also said fake. Okay, the jelly donut Oreo is a real Oreo. It was also a limited Whoa. edition in May of 2017. Whoa. Chris, what were you doing in May of 2017? Were you working at Publix <laughs> or something? <laughs> You know, you were living with me. <laughs> we, we were on our honeymoon in May of 2017. We missed these. Yeah, these seem like decidedly American things. They didn't have those in Italy. Yeah. Right. Okay, so... Yeah, I didn't see the jelly donut Oreo in Florence. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so your third variety is the Peeps Oreo, made of two vanilla cookies with a marshmallow Peeps flavored cream. I'll locked. Lock. Yeah, I'll lock. yeah, I'm locked. Locked. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really just hope it's fake, so I'm going to go fake. <laughs> All right, Chris, what did you say? I want real because, of course, they would do that. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I went real again. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen that, and I was appalled. All right, Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, it hasn't steered me wrong so far, so I went with fake. <laughs> All right, the Peeps Oreo was a real Oreo. It was a oh. limited edition in February of 2017. Man, 2017 was a weird year. I, yeah, honestly, like... Wild th and crazy times. Three-fourths of the ones on our list were all from 2017. I was like, what in the world was Nabisco doing at this time? Like, there were a lot on That's there. That's creepy. Okay, so our fourth one is the Wonder Woman Oreo. 
made with two vanilla wafers filled with half red and half blue colored cream. Locked. Locked. I lock. Ah. Okay, so game logic here. Not game logic, but one is we've had, what, three yeses in a row. The other thing is I know my wife loves the Wonder Woman blizzard from Dairy Queen. So I'm going to say it's fake. I'm thinking she just took the Dairy Queen blizzard flavor and made it an Oreo. I'm going fake. All right. So Chris goes fake. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I also went no with, with fake. All right, Mike, what do you think? One of these has to be fake, so I'm sticking with fake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nikki, what about you? I also was thinking fake. <laughs> Chris, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do you make me sound like a huge fatty, but you also took away my my talking points which was that it is a fake oreo they did actually make a wonder woman blizzard this year that was a summer special (laughs) for wonder woman 1984 and that's how i partly that's partly how i gained the COVID 19 (laughs) did you see what's happening with wonder woman 84 it was postponed no it's still being released on december 24th it's going to be in theaters and on hbo max Oh, yep. but I want to see it in theaters. I do too. So I'm hoping HBO Max keeps a bunch of people away and we can just go see it in like a private theater. You can sit on one side, I'll sit on the other. Because you hate me so much right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Want, want. Okay. Um, your last variety is the Key Lime Pie Oreo. Locked in. Made of two graham cracker flavored Oreo cookies filled with Key Lime flavored cream. Locked in. I'm locked in. I'm going to... I'm going to lock in this way for two reasons. Number one, I don't want to answer the same thing every single time. And number two, the speed with which Chris locked in told me that he's familiar with this Oreo and it's real. So I'm going to lock in with real. Okay, Mike says real. Nikki, what did you say? I went real and my only logic is, as I think Nabisco also does graham crackers. So like I kind of felt like maybe that would, I'm pretty sure they do a graham cracker too. So that's why I went real. Okay, Chris, what did you lock in with? I went with real just hoping to God this is a legit thing because I am a huge Key Lime fan. Okay, and Jeff, what did you say? Yeah, uh, sadly, I went with the same reason Mike did. Chris answered way too fast, and I also went with yes. You guys are way wrong there. I had no logic to it whatsoever. I'm just hoping it's real because it sounds delicious. Chris is like, I've already got a lead. Screw it. (laughs) All right, so your correct answer is real. It was a limited edition in July of 2015. I do not know. Oh, 2015. Stop yeah. it with these limited editions. Give me the stuff I can go buy at the grocery store I know. Now. I literally only looked at a list of the limited editions to make it a little bit more difficult. So I have no idea if these have ever made a comeback or if you can still find them in certain places. I just went off of whatever the official list told me. Okay, so um, I, I think I tallied up the scores right everything was worth two points so after the pregame round i have chris with 10 jeff with eight nikki with six and mike with four does that sound accurate sure i just knew i was in last place so that sounds good cool okie dokie all right so how our game is going to work tonight is that each of our contestants is going to take turns reading off their set of questions that they brought to the game today Uh, So when it's your turn, you're going to read off your questions one by one, and then we're going to do the same format that we just did where everyone uh, who's playing is going to lock in and the last person gets to talk it out. Um, 
And so we'll go, the order tonight is going to be Jeff, Nikki, Mike, and Chris. You're going to end with me? I, d- I did a random, I did a random randomization to pick okay. some I'm, I'm okay the with it. comes down in June. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started on my unnecessarily difficult questions. Question number one is in movies? Woo-hoo. Pop culture? What famous dame was passed over by Audrey Hepburn to play Eliza Doolittle in the 1964 film version of My Fair Lady? Locked in. Locked in. All right, Chris. I love movies. Um, I love some older movies. Uh. My Fair Lady, I've seen. I don't know what dame would have been passed over to play her. So I'm going to try and get a dame that might be age appropriate for that role. And my head is not going anywhere. Um, So it's not Maggie Smith. I don't think it's Maggie Smith. Um, I think... I think I've got to go Judy Dench. I think she might have been too young when that came out. But Judy Dench is the the name that's coming to mind, and I think I might just have Skyfall stuck in my head. So we'll go Judy Dench. All right. Chris is locked in with Judy Dench. Mike, what was your answer? So, so this is actually funny. Um, I was kind of just waiting for Nikki to lock in because I knew she knew it and I knew I knew it because we were discussing this completely apropos of nothing like a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. uh, about how um, somehow it came up. I don't even remember how, but about how Julie Andrews, who who, um, originated the role on Broadway, but then was passed over for Audrey Hepburn. And then she got the last laugh because she then became Mary Poppins and won the Academy Award over her. So I locked in with Julie Andrews. Sweet. That is the right answer. Uh, well, Nikki. Nikki? <laughs> yeah. I no. assume since they were just talking about <laughs> it. Yes. No, I knew it was Julie Andrews. And uh, it, it was it, the main guy in it, Rex Harrison. He was, he he was, was the, right. in the original cast. But uh, Julie Andrews was the original Eliza Doolittle on Broadway. But they decided that she wasn't famous enough. So they cast Audrey Hepburn, who couldn't actually sing. And they had her dubbed when Julie Andrews has a wonderful voice. So it was kind of stupid, but again, she did win the Oscar for Mary Poppins. Um, So she was actually, she won for Mary Poppins, even though Audrey Hepburn was nominated for My Fair Lady. So that's right. Julie Andrews got the last laugh and won. Sweet. Well, I appreciate you guys taking all my talking points. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Move right on to the next question. (laughs) All right. Question number two is in uh, reality TV, game shows? Who knows? You be the decider. The Eurovision Song Contest first started in what 20th century decade? Five bonus points if you name the correct year. What, what, can you repeat the name of the show again? Eurovision? Eurovision. I'm going to lock. All right, Chris is locked in. I'll lock in. All right, Nikki is also locked in. Hmm. I have never heard of this. Um, legitimately, I've, ne- I've never heard of this. Um, 
Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, to me, this seems like an, either a 70s or an 80s type of thing. It's hard to believe that it would have uh, predated that that much. Um, it's. Uh, I am going to just say I, I don't. There's no. There's nothing in there really for me to uh, logic to. Uh, that I can think of. I'm just trying to think of what would be things going on uh, in Europe around that time, around those particular decades that might, like, uh, but yeah, I just, I don't have anything here. Um, I guess I will say 1977. That sounds good. So 70s with the exact year guess of 1977. All right. Mike locks in with 77. Uh, I forgot who went next. Uh, we'll go with Nikki. Nikki, what was your guess? I also have never heard of this. My only logic that I went to was Eurovision. To me, was like like maybe like MTV. Like you can see it. I don't know. Like maybe music television vision. I don't know. So I went more of like the '80s route. So I'm thinking 1980s, and I'm gonna guess 1982. Sure. All right. Nikki locks in with 1982. Christopher, what did you say? Yeah, I think we're all kind of in that same area. I, I thought I remember it being at least present in the 80s. Uh, I know if Mario, Mario, uh, who, who's been on the show before, if he was here, he'd know it because he loves Eurovision. He's a big fan. There's a Netflix movie called Eurovision, which is loosely based on the on the the contest. But I figured, I feel like I remember bands from the 80s participating in it. Um. And that tells me that if it if it if it started to get popularity in the eighties, it probably started in the late seventies. So I locked in with seventy nine. Ooh, and we have another close one with seventy nine. All right. Well, as you did mention, Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga is the movie that Will Ferrell starred in, and it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did watch it. And it was, I mean, it'll get you a couple laughs at most. Uh, but the actual song contest started in the year that my father-in-law was born in 1956. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. 1956. There was a brief moment where I was like, maybe it's older than that, but I just, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. It's a, one of those things where America just hasn't caught on to, but the other side of the world obviously a lot of those countries are real close and everything it's like bigger than our super bowl even in my head i went back to like maybe it was the 60s but then i'm going well if it was the 60s a lot of those those british rock bands would have gone through there and i would have probably heard that fact this is insane the 50s really huh? 1956 wow okay good question i had yeah. no idea do, do i get anything for technically being the closest <laughs> Ooh, well, did you name the correct year? Because there was was bonus points for that. Um, if if anyone tries to say that I did not name the correct year, they're lying. Uh, I you know, they'll probably pull out some tape of me of recording of me saying the in, incorrect year, but it's it's all made up. It's fake news. It was definitely from a different show. A different yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, no points awarded there. We are moving on to our third and final question I, here in all the, pop Jeff, culture. Am I winning right now, Leah? No. Oh, never. We can keep. No. We can keep counting then. <laughs> yep. 
Keep counting. All right. Um, third and final questions in pop culture. Bette Midler earned what fresh nickname while singing in an ancient Rome-themed club in the basement of the Ansonia Hotel in New York City during the late 60s and early 70s? Jeff, can, can you repeat the question, please? Sure, I'd love to. Bette Midler earned what fresh nickname while singing in an ancient Rome-themed club in the basement of the Ansonia Hotel in New York City during the late 60s and early 70s? Locked in. All right, Nikki's locked in. It was like a game of chicken who was just going to give up first, right? Yeah, I'll I'll lock in. I'll let Mike try and talk it out. Oh, uh, I'm I'm like I'm going I'm I'm in ancient Rome and I'm in the produce section based on the ancient Rome thing and fresh. So which is how which is the weird way my mind works. Um yeah, like so I'm I'm ancient Rome, so I'm like to be something with uh you know the something Cleopatra or the or the you know something like that or uh the 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 something Venus maybe I just I I if I remembered the episode of Seinfeld with Bette Midler better I I can almost guarantee they probably say it in there uh that would really be my only way to get here um but I just I can't I mean, uh, I don't know that the, um, I'm hung up on, on the fresh thing. I don't really know what, it's probably going to be one of those things as soon as you say it, it'll ring a bell, but, uh, I'm not, I'm not getting anything right now. So, um, uh, I'll just say, uh, um, the I, I don't even ha- I don't even have anything. Uh, the um, uh, the v- vocal Venus. I have no idea. <laughs> it's a guess. Oh, all right. Mike locks in with vocal Venus. Chris. Yeah, Mike. Um, so fresh to me, it's got a couple of connotations that lead me to two different places. One is it leads me to produce in fruit. Um, the other is I think of it more as like a, you know, what what terminology vernacular is common with today's youth because fresh was like when i was a youth popular um the other part that now that i think about it brings me to prince but fresh prince i i, I can't change my answer if i wanted to the other part we wanted to lock in with the name with the with the nickname of basement bet um that didn't sound very flattering but at least was alliterative and might have made sense no i locked in with a uh, with fruity with fruity pebbles <laughs> All right, Mike locks in, or Chris locks in with Fruity Pebbles. And Nikki, what did you say? Mine is really not any better. Um, I went also to, I kept thinking fresh. I'm like, I don't know, produce. Bette Midler is also very famous for her red hair. So I was like, what is red and produce? So I went with the apple goddess. (laughs) The apple goddess. So while you were close with the alliterative nature of basement bet. The correct answer we were looking for was bathhouse bet. I was wrong. I've never heard that. Bathhouses of ancient Rome. Oh. Oh. That makes a little bit of sense. 
Well, that was killer round, guys. All right, yeah, so <laughs> if I'm tallying the scores up correctly after Jeff's wonderful round of, uh, of, of, of blowing our minds with new facts that we didn't know beforehand, uh, Chris has 10 points, Mike has 14 points, Nikki has 16 points, and Jeff has 8. Uh, go ahead. That sounds good to me. Okay. Um, so that moves us into Nikki's round. Okay, so I kind of went a little themish tonight. Um, I was feeling a little, you know, female motivated, so I just nicknamed my trivia questions "Girl Power." So every question um, will have something to do with a, um, you know, a woman of history, something badass that they did. Uh, I don't have a lot of information about, you know. The questions and everything like that so i don't know the reasonings behind them but hopefully you guys will know some of these all right question one and this one is a i i do need i i guess i can give you half credit if you know part part of it but you really should know both parts to this question so who was the first woman director to earn over 100 million dollars in the box office name the movie and director locked in uh, I'm gonna lock in. Um, no, this is a good one. I I know the first. I almost don't want to even say things because I don't know what your later questions are gonna be. But uh, when I think of female successful female directors, uh, Catherine Bigelow pops into my head. Um, uh, Patty Patty Jenkins, of course, pops into my head. Uh, director uh, director of Wonder Woman. Um, for some reason, like I don't know that this would necessarily be that recent. Um, but I'm drawing a blank on who, like, uh, Sophia Coppola is another, um, female director who's been very successful, but I can't believe that she has had any movies that, uh, breached a hundred million. Um, um, I, I guess, I guess I'll just say, uh, Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman. I honestly don't know. I'm sure there's an obvious one that I'm forgetting. Jeff, what did you lock in with? Well, I uh, know absolutely in nothing about directors, um, so it's not really anything about the female directors I don't know. I also don't know any male directors. Um, but I think that Angelina Jolie has a lot of money, and I think she directed a movie, so I went with Angelina Jolie. All right, Angelina Jolie. Chris, what'd you lock in with? I think this is a, a timely question because she passed not too long ago. Um a groundbreaking director. I went with Penny Marshall for big. Yeah. And the correct answer is Penny Marshall. And she directed big. The Tom Hanks movie does not get the credit. She's due. She's done some amazing films. Uh, Mike, I, I think lost in translation might be the closest thing for Sofia Coppola. Right. And I'm, and I'm almost positive that that might've made a hundred million. I don't know, but I, I didn't think, think it did. So. Uh, didn't Penny Marshall also direct a league of their own? Yes. Yeah. I should, I, yeah. I, I knew there was somebody further back that I was just wasn't coming to me. And that was, that was a good question. And her name is Penny. And also I think Nora Ephron directed movies. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. I was just stuck too recent. Okay. Second question. Um, and again, these, uh, the first one was a movie question. The next one was nothing to do with movies. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> So Mary Keys was the first woman to be granted a U.S. patent. 
What did she invent? Oh, I feel like I should know that. I know, me too. Can I ask a clarifying question, Nikki? Mm-hmm. Was she the sole person on the patent, or was it uh, like a joint venture with somebody else? Um, I don't know 100%. I'm pretty sure it's just hers. Okay. Um, but I can, I can verify. Hold on. I mean, I don't see anything that says offhand that says there was anybody else involved. So I'm pretty okay. sure it was just her. I can give you the year if that would help. Do you guys want that the would year? Help great. I would All take right. it, Mike, if you're year, open to it. Yes. Yeah. All right. The year was 1809. Okay. Oh, Lord. That's okay. actually later than I thought it would have been. Okay. Oh, see, it's actually earlier than I thought it would have been. I was thinking more it would be late, late 1800s. That, yeah, I was kind of thinking that, too. So the president who would have signed the patent was James Madison. Right. I'm going to lock in. I'll lock in with a wrong answer. I'm just try- I'm trying to think of what, you know, I'm trying to think of America around that time. Uh, the year of Abraham Lincoln's birth. Um, and what, like, so I, like, I, to me, it would be like something maybe to do with farming, uh, potentially, or, um, you know, just like something, something household related, but it, that it's just such a wide open thing. And I'm trying to think if there's something that bears the name keys. Um, and I don't have anything. Um, so I don't know that I have a particular way to get there um so uh, i mean i don't want to like it, it yeah i just i really don't know um i will say um i will say the ice box i i, I don't i don't have any way to, to get to anything so all right so mike is locking in with the ice box uh jeff uh yeah, so I went with the most uh patriarchal uh type mentality that I could <laughs> go with and, and tried to think of something that would affect women at that point in time that they might be able to have a an opinion about. Um as terrible as that sounds. Uh but it's reality. And I actually I went with shoes. Maybe she did some sort of um, shoes that made it better for women. Right. So Jeff says shoes. Chris, what'd you lock in with? You asked, uh, you know, this question to three men, and I feel terrible because I kind of <laughs> went the same route. But like that, most women back in that time were were homemakers. Uh, I figured she might have been adventurous, and maybe she invented some sort of a sewing machine. Mm. Okay. To, Chris, to be honest, if it helps, like, but my brain we briefly went to some kind of menstrual product or something like that. I was, I was, I was genuinely like, because men wouldn't really give a crap about well, any of that. The brassiere stuff, was so. actually designed by a man, so yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. most women were probably not surprised by that. Oh, you think you think men let women care about their own menstrual products back then? <laughs> we had opinions, okay. <laughs> you know, honestly. 
the only one who was really far off was Mike. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Love you, baby. Uh, Jeff and Chris, you were kind of in the right idea frame of mind because this was a fashion product. What she actually invented was a technique of weaving straw with silk and thread. So basically the hats in 1801, it was these special oh. style hats that she created. It was a special way that she um, weaved the straw with silk. So it was a big fashion trend in the 1800s. And she was the first woman to get a patent. Hopefully she got paid very well for that. Yeah, I don't know the history behind that. Most likely not. No. Yeah, it pro- it, it, based on the, the laws of that time, it probably all went to her husband. Right. True. Assuming she was married. Damn. But. <laughs> okay. And my last question. Um, Lizzie Magger was the inventor of the original Monopoly game. What was it actually originally called? I just listened to this on a podcast. Oh, my God. I think I can lock in. I swear I was just talking to someone about this. I think it might have been my kids. Maybe they were telling me about it. I just listened to a podcast about this, and I can't think of what the hell it was called. Uh, I'm going to lock in. Oh, you would. <laughs> I just want to put you on the spot. I just, I, I, I'm just, i pretty sure I just listened to a podcast about this uh, not too long ago while I was walking to the park with my daughter. And, of course, like I'm not always listening when I'm listening. And it's going to bite me in the ass now. Um So I know the whole situation. I know I know the story. The story, you know, she invented it. Um, it didn't sell well, and then someone, uh, was it Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers? Somebody bought the patent from her or bought it from her for next to nothing and made it a huge deal. Uh, it didn't have. Like, part of me wants to say it was called Monopoly, a dumbass, but that's not right. Um. The term checks and balances keeps coming to mind, but that's not right. It can't be that. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything better, and I don't want to waste time. So I'll just I'll lock in with checks and balances and take my loss. All right, Chris locked in with checks and balances. Uh, Mike? Uh, for some reason, I thought it was called capitalism. So I locked in with capitalism. All right, Mike's locked in with capitalism. Jeff? Yeah, I couldn't really come up with something that I felt was right. Um, but just using logic or game logic or whatever you want to call it, I, I'm going to go with bankrupt. Bankrupt? All right. All good guesses, but none are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, girl power here. Um, the correct answer was the landlord's game. That's it. Yep. Ah. That. Yeah, that it was makes sense. It, it was a to do. You know, it it didn't. I mean, she got the patent. It didn't sell well. Um, but then later, I think Parker Brothers got a hold of it. She had tried to get control of the patent again. It, it was a big thing, but um, you know, it's been known as monopoly. Apparently, if you can get an edition of Landlords, it's like extremely rare, and you'd probably make a lot of money if you could actually find the original Landlords game. But yeah, <laughs> that was where the monopoly came from. If only we could go to yard sales wow. right now and start combing through board <laughs> games. Ha. <laughs> Good question. Oh, you thought we were going to play trivia tonight? No, we're just going to give facts and learn. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm okay with that. All right. So after that round, uh, Chris has 20 points. Jeff has eight. Mike has 14. And Nikki has 16. 
<laughs> I, I just want to be clear. My wife has played one less round than I have in which she could earn points and is still beating me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're moving on. Uh, Mike. So here we go. I'll launch right into it. Um, there's, there's no, no theme for these. Uh, I just pulled a couple questions I liked out of my slate of questions that I had that I maintained. So here we go. Your first category is music. What musician was booed off the stage while opening for the Monkees on their first American tour in August of 1967? Less than two years later, after he had more experience, he was the world's highest paid rock and roll star. Uh, locked in. Okay, Jeff is locked in. All right, locked in. I was afraid of that. <laughs> okay, so... Lee, are you dancing to the monkey song? Yeah. <laughs> Good, because it's play it's playing in my head, and you're dancing in time to the music in my head. <laughs> nice. So it was just really funny. I'm too busy thinking to you know fool anyone around. So let's let me. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to distract I'm, you uh, with my awesome moves over here. Like my head goes to Elvis, but that's too late. For, well, no, I guess Elvis was kind of present during the disco stage. I'm trying to think of other like solo acts in that time frame. And it's obviously too late for Sinatra or anyone like that. And it's not rock and roll. I mean, I don't have a better guess than Elvis, so I'm going to say Elvis. All right, Chris is locking with Elvis. Uh, I'm going to assume Presley, not Costello. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nikki? I I mean, I kind of was in the same thought process like um like far as time frame but i my guess was johnny cash i just thought that maybe he'd be a little like depressing for the monkeys <laughs> so <laughs> I, I thought maybe he would have gotten booed off so i went with johnny cash i want to go on the record that if elvis is not right i hope it's johnny cash <laughs> uh nikki locked in with johnny cash jeff what did you have so um i think for this time period, it would make sense that if we're talking rock and roll, we're probably going to be talking Jimi Hendrix. Um, and I believe he died shortly after that. But I believe he was still kind of the big thing right then. So I'm going to go with Jimi Hendrix. I like that answer a lot more than mine. All right. Jeff locking in with Jimi Hendrix. Um and he picked up on my hint uh, after he had more experience, i.e. the Jimi Hendrix experience. Uh, mm, I uh, forgot Mike likes his Yoli Wolf. It was, it was, in fact, Jimi Hendrix. Well done, Jeff. Nice. Good job, Jeff. Well played. That's what I would have guessed, too. Nice. I knew I liked you. Yeah, <laughs> All right, so 10 points to Jeff. Your second category is presidential birthplaces. Who was the first president to be born west of the Mississippi River? To be honest, he kind of sucked, which is why he only served one term. I need a pad and paper in like three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm locked in. I'm locked. All right, Nikki and Jeff are locked. Chris? You can talk out loud now. I'm sorry, you can talk out loud now. Yeah, they they both both locked locked you can talk now. You don't have to talk to yourself. You can talk out loud. You said west of the Mississippi? West of the Mississippi River. Okay, so Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, Adams, Jackson, all out. Van Buren was New Hampshire, I believe, so he's out. 
Harrison Tyler. Can you repeat the question one more time? I want to make sure I'm hearing all that right. I can. Who was the first president to be born west of the Mississippi River? To be honest, he kind of sucked, which is why he only served one term. So I, this is where I'm concerned. I don't know if there's a clue in there or not, because he didn't say elected president. So like John Tyler, I don't know where he was born. No, because Tippecanoe and Tyler too. Tip. Oh, oh God, I'm overthinking this. No one named Millard Fillmore would have been born west of the Mississippi, right? That seems like a New England thing to do. It really does. All right. <laughs> Adams, Jackson, Van Buren, Harrison, Tyler, Polk, Tennessee, Taylor, Fillmore, Pierce, Buchanan. Well, welcome to the pub trivia experience where we listen to Chris list off the presidents in order. Shut up. I'm thinking. <laughs> No, no, so there's there's this entire it's gotta be in that grouping of presidents after Jackson before Lincoln that were majority, almost all of them are one term presidents. It's like the most lackluster experience of presidents in history. So Van Buren was I think he was Dutch, I think he was from New England, I thought New Hampshire. Harrison, Tyler, Polk. Polk was Tennessee. I don't know if that's where he was born. Um, Zachary Taylor was East Coast. Uh, oh, Buchanan comes to mind because I know he was, when it comes to like the ranking of least effective presidents to get their stuff through, he just didn't get much done. But Buchanan seems like such an East Coast, North New England elitist type of name. And that sounds terrible. You know what? Screw it. I'm going Pierce. I, I, no, not Pierce. Tyler, sorry. Tippecanoe and Tyler, too. He wasn't elected. You didn't say he had to be elected. I'm going Tyler. All right, Chris locking in with John Tyler. He of still living grandchildren. Just one now. His other one died. Excuse me. You're correct. <laughs> Who keeps uh, Jeff? Stuff? Yeah, so I'm an idiot uh, <laughs> and don't know any of those things about presidents. But one thing I do know is playing trivia with Mike. And if I know something sucks, I'm going to buy myself a Hoover. So I think you've gone with Hoover, my friend. Wow. Okay, Jeff locking in with uh, Herbert Hoover. Nikki? I also went Herbert Hoover because I thought the sucks from the vacuum. So that's also who I went with. So born in West Branch, Iowa, your correct answer and two of the three of you picking up on what I thought was a too obvious hint <laughs> was, in fact, Herbert Hoover. I did not think it would be that late. Holy crap. <laughs> I thought maybe there was the somebody is, earlier, but thought. I knew he was, I knew he was like Midwestern, too. Yep. I didn't. I didn't know anything. <laughs> but no, well, well, do well done, both of you. Uh, poorly done, Chris. <laughs> He knows. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. I'm well aware. It's, it's 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 mean. I I shouldn't rip on you so much. No, I'm just like my head goes to that that time period there where there it was. Mike, am, am I right? Like it was a bunch of one term presidents. Up you're, until you're absolutely you're you're absolutely correct. Uh, and it is it is mind boggling to uh, to think that it was that late, but it it it, it was. Yeah, sorry. Um, but no, I no, apologize no, to our listeners out there. I know you've all depended on me for correct trivia answers. 
Now, no. All right, everybody. No, they didn't. Let's let's all let's be nice to Chris. Let's not rip on Chris so much, okay? Third question. Your category is people who actually directed Psycho and got an Oscar <laughs> nomination for their troubles. I hate you. Why well, didn't <laughs> you just said let's not pick on Chris? Here you go. I knew something like that was coming. That was brilliant. You played that was you played, you played right, right into my hands. That was that did, was beautiful. Like a fiddle. All right. Your question is Alfred Hitchcock, not Stanley Kubrick, famously directed the film Psycho, for which he received his final Best Directing Oscar nomination. But which 1941 film, also a book adaptation, earned Hitchcock his first Best Directing nomination? Locked in. Of course she locked in. Ah. Uh, you said 1941? 1941. I'll lock in. All right, Jeff. Uh, yeah, so I'm the worst at movies and especially directors. Uh, so I, uh, I'm just going to go with the birds. I think he directed that and it's not psycho. So wait. Yes. Okay. I'm going with the birds. Just real, real quick, I, I did want to correct myself. It was actually a 1940 film. I don't know if that may, wants, makes anyone want to change their answer. Oh, I, I don't know anything, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no okay. chance in hell. <laughs> so, Jeff, you locked in with the birds, correct? I did, the birds. Okay. Chris, what did you lock in with? 41 is earlier than I anticipated. Um, I'm not that familiar with Hitchcock. I'm not. I know there's... <laughs> the birds and rear window and vertigo, but all that's that's later. And I, first off, I'm shocked. You said he only got nominated for two best directing Oscars. I I didn't say that. I just said his this was his first oh, best okay. directing Oscar. I think he got nominated for four or five. He never won. Yeah, well, the fact that he didn't win for Vertigo is insane because Vertigo is an amazing film. Um, I'm hoping he did early in his career some rendition of Strangers on a Train. That seemed Hitch Hitchcockian to me, uh, so that's what I went with. But I have a feeling I'm wrong. All right, Chris locking in with Strangers on a Train. Nikki, I I base it on you said book adaptation, I so did. I believe he directed Rebecca, which was an Academy Award winning. I know it was Academy Award nominated and all that. Um, so I'm gonna guess Rebecca. I think that's probably about the same time period. So uh, when I was writing this question, I debated whether to say it was a book adaptation or whether it was the only Hitchcock film to also win Best Picture. Um, I went with the book adaptation thing, um, he, but uh, Nikki did pick up on that. Um, and I also debated on whether to reference the uh, Netflix film that has brought this back into the pop cultural consciousness. Uh, it is, in fact, Rebecca. Uh, Strangers on a Train was a Hitchcock film, uh, but I think it was a little later. I think it was early fifties. Okay, so at least got there. But that okay, Nikki, that's a that's a hell of a pull. Nicely done. We we wow. did just read the book for Book Club not too long ago. Yeah. So with that, Nikki actually pulls ahead. So she's got uh, thirty six points, uh, followed by Jeff with twenty eight points, followed by Chris with twenty, and Mike has fourteen. All right. <laughs> and that leads us to our last round, uh, contestant made round. 
and so, Chris, you cannot pick up any more regular uh, regulation points because this category is all for you. Could you say that without a smile on your face? <laughs> <laughs> Man, she really twisted that knife. Okay. So I have got three trivia questions here. Category number one is talking out of my ass. So far, so good. I want to give a shout out to Daily World Maps. Uh, I follow them on Instagram, and they are the inspiration for this question. Uh, They are a really fun follow if you're into maps or geography at all. It's definitely worth checking out. What African country sits on the Afar Triangle? a geological depression caused by the East African Rift where the African tectonic plate is splitting in two. Coincidentally, this area is also believed to be the cradle of the evolution of humans. I think I can lock in. Uh, I think I can, too. They're both locked in. Nikki, talk it out. Okay, well, the cradle of the evolution of humans... uh, I think I'm just thinking, like, first civilizations, like Mesopotamia, which is now iraq um so sure i'll go with iraq all right jeff what did you say uh for some reason well i think iraq iran i remember in like the biblical sense of what was going on in the beginning times i i remember i don't know some national geographic show or something i was watching with the kids the other day um was talking about Ethiopia uh, being the center of evolution and whatnot. So I think I'm going with Ethiopia as an African country. Jeff is locked in with Ethiopia. Mike, what did you think? Uh, exact same thing. I thought I remembered Ethiopia being described the cradle of human as the cradle of human civilization, and it's East Africa, so I did go with Ethiopia. Unfortunately, no points to be given. I tried to give a hint in the category, talking out of my ass. If I'm talking out of my ass, you know that I'm talking with Djibouti. Ah. I know. There is no I other like way. Makes sense better. There's no other way to give a hint to the question, but the correct answer is Djibouti. Wow. Okay. All right. Cool, 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 cool. Question number two your category is in gross movie facts. Did you know they actually created a severed head of Gwyneth Paltrow for the film Seven? While it was never used in the film, it did pop up in another oddly topical Gwyneth Paltrow movie. What movie am I talking about? I'm a lock in. Oddly topical is the verbiage of the question. All right, I'm going to lock in. Jeff and Nikki have locked in. Mike, it's up to you, my friend. Talk it out. This is not my night. Um... Yes, I did know the fact about Seven. Um, and I, they did actually, I believe, shoot footage that contained it. They just didn't end up using it in the final film. Um, I'm trying to think of what subsequent Gwyneth Paltrow movie would have in any way, shape, or form involved uh, using her severed head. And where I'm getting hung up on is I'm trying to think of a subsequent Gwyneth Paltrow film. Um, other than Shakespeare and love, uh, pops into my head, um, sliding doors, I think was after that pops into my head. Neither of those strike me in any way as oddly topical. Um, but I'm not even sure what topic we're 
on. Um, Shallow Howl popped into my head. Um, uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Shallow Howl. I don't I don't really I don't know what else to uh, to go through to get there. And I'm not I'm not pulling up very many other Gwyneth Paltrow films. Mike is locked in shallow. Hal, Nikki, what did you say? I, I don't know. I was stuck on stuck on this like oddly topical thing. I don't know. And so the only thing that came to my head was that stupid movie she did called View from the Top. So I was like topical top. <laughs> so View from the Top. Nikki's locked in with <laughs> a View know. from the Top. Jeffrey, my no friend, idea. what did you say? Yeah, I'm not good at this, but I I feel like I'm pretty good at picking up hints. And I went off your little topical tidbit you got in there. Uh, by the way, Larceny uh, store pick, quite good. It is good. Um, so I went with Contagion. Oddly topical. I believe oh. she was in that. So one of the most experimental directors out there, as far as like mass media is produced, is a director by the name of uh, Steven Soderbergh. And he did direct the 2011 film starring Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow. It is Contagion. Yep. Good pull. Good well, well done. well done. So they did craft, Mike, you're right. They did craft an actual severed head to be put in the box of Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, according to my research, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but uh, Brad Pitt argued with the production crew to not include the shot of the severed head. From what I've, what I read, that Brad Pitt thought it would be much more effective if you never actually saw it. You just saw his reaction. We don't see it. No, you never but actually see her I head. Swear, I haven't seen that movie in a very long time, and I'm picturing her head in it. Yeah, that weird? You, you, see, you see wisps of hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do see, right before he shoots him, a flash, of, a flashing image of her face pops through his oh. head, but you don't, it's, not, it's not her severed head, it's just so her. So that's how we know and, it's her. Yep. And, but there's also, no, Brad Pitt never gets anywhere near the box, so there, was not, there would never have been any, any argument about whether or not it would be effective, whether or not he saw it. Uh, because he never gets anywhere near the box. Um, it's why he's yelling, "What's in the box?" Right, but uh, but actually, I mean, maybe that was the maybe that was the argument was whether or not it should be him that sees what's in the box or not. But hmm. it's a, a chilling moment, and that that moment did come back to bite us in 2011. There's an autopsy scene in Contagion. Gwyneth Paltrow actually dies really early in that movie. She dies in like the first act of that film. Yeah, it's crazy. It's hmm. like the first 15 minutes yeah. she's done, and you're like, wait, what? And so for the autopsy scene, they actually brought back her severed head that they made for the prop for seven. <laughs> it I is contagion. It. Jeffrey gets the points. Nicely done. Your last question from me. Your category is going to be in uh, music adjacent. According to Katy Perry, what actress... The highest paid actress of 2019 was the inspiration for her hit song, I Kissed a Girl. All right, I'm going to lock in. Yeah, I think I'm going to lock in, too. Yeah, I'm locked, for sure. Jeff is locked in. Mike, talk it out. Oh, man, I'm just... uh, 2019 was like 10 years ago. Um... It seems like. Uh, oh shit! He did say 2017, didn't he? He said 20. He said highest paid actress of 2019. Um, but she would have been around around what 2011, 2010 ish, which is when that song uh, came out. Um, 
So, but I'm just right now. I'm just sitting here at like again. You know, I don't get out to movies much anymore because you know it's funny. People told me, oh yeah, once you have kids, you you have like at least a five year pop culture blind spot. And I was like, that'll never happen to me. It totally happened to me. Um, I don't know anything that's happened in the past three years. Uh, and I'm sur- I'm trying to think of major movies in 2019 drawing a total blank um oh could be maybe well what popped so okay uh one thing i did think of um i thought of because one of the few movies i did see in theaters last year was long shot which had charlie Theron in it um but the name that just popped into my head and i don't the only reason I'm a little hesitant is because I don't know what else she would have been in, but I'm thinking big 2019 movies. And it's hard to think of any bigger 2019 movie than Avengers Endgame. So Scarlett Johansson popped into my head. She makes more sense than Charlize Theron. Um, and I don't know that I'm going to come up with a better answer and I don't want to waste everyone's time. So I'm going to say Scarlett Johansson. Mike is locked in with Scarlett Johansson. Jeffrey, what did you say? Yeah, I think I screwed up the years, but not the reasoning. Um, I'm pretty sure this was an Avengers actor. I think 2017 was still right. I don't know. Uh, but I also went with ScarJo. Jeffrey said ScarJo. Nikki, what did you say? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I read an article about like the highest paid you know, performers in 2019, and I'm almost positive that Scarlett Johansson was number one actress on that list. So I also went with Scarlett Johansson. My lord, we got a lot of ScarJo fans here. Not going to argue that. No. There is one more ScarJo fan, if you guys don't know. Her name is Katy Perry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So 2019 was an epic year for Scarlett Johansson. She appeared in, as we all know, Avengers Endgame. She appeared in Marriage Story for Netflix, and she appeared in Jojo Rabbit. Along with, and we don't know how much she got paid for it, but she was in the post credit scene for Captain Marvel. I love ScarJo. We talked about Lost in Translation, you know, kind of tangentially earlier. Uh, yeah, it is Scarlett Johansson nicely done. Okay, so going into our final round, I'm going to give you guys a score update. And just a reminder that in the final round, I am going to give you guys three questions. And you can wager any of all your point, uh, all your points that you have accumulated throughout the game on any of those three questions. Um, so you can distribute them however you like. Um, so the score update, as I have it right now, is uh, Chris with twenty points. Cellar dweller, woohoo! <laughs> Jeff with that's where the wine is. Jeff with forty-eight points in first place. Mike with 24 points and Nikki with 46. So we got uh, Jeff with 48, Nikki with 46, Mike with 24, and Chris with 20. So I'm going to give you guys the topics of my final questions, and then you guys can think about what you want to wager on each of those categories. Okay, so here are your uh, categories for the final questions. The first question is in super current events. The second category is in state nicknames. And the third category is unpopular U.S. sports. I've locked in my uh, my wagers. I'm sure it wasn't that hard with that. <laughs> <I know. points>. Damn. <laughs> Damn. 
One bad night. All right. I, uh, I locked in my wager. I sent mine too. Okay. So your question in super current events. Harry Styles made history this week as the first solo man to appear on the cover of what magazine's 127-year run? Locked yeah, in. Locked in. Locked in. Okay, 127-year run. Oh, gosh. That'd be like Life Magazine or something like that? Or Rolling Stone? No, that would be... It's not 127 years. Uh, Vanity Fair? Maybe? 127 years. Goodness. I'm going to guess Vanity Fair. Okay, so Nikki has locked in with Vanity Fair. Let's uh, go to Mike now. What did you say? I'm now concerned I got my V magazines mixed up, but I said Vogue. All right. Mike locked in with Vogue. Jeff, what did you say? Well, now I'm slightly less confident in my answer, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure it's still Vogue. All right. And then, Chris, what did you say? I went with Vogue. Chris locked in with Vogue. Okay, so we are going to reveal the correct answers and the wagers at the very end. So in uh, your second category is in state nicknames. Because of its essential position geographically, politically, and economically in the founding of the United States, what U.S. state is known as the Keystone State? Locked in. Uh, locked yeah, in. locked in. I mean, have a, ha, aren't a lot of the states essential? I don't know. <laughs> 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 well, wah, 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 wah. I mean, I don't know. Some more than others. Keystone. Like Keystone beer. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Uh, where was that out of? Uh, the only thing, I mean, again, the only thing I can think of is Keystone, and I we drank a lot of Keystone at Dartmouth, so I'm going to go with New Hampshire. All right, Nikki locked in with New Hampshire. Mike, what did you say? Uh, I said Pennsylvania. Uh, no other reason than I seem to remember that it was called the Keystone State. Okay, and Jeff, what did you say? Yeah, I feel like you could have put this one under Supercurrent Events as well, uh, and also went with Pennsylvania. All right, and Chris, what did you say? Yeah, um, I've never drank a Dartmouth before. Uh, <laughs> I want Missing to. out, man. I want Na- to. Name dropping. Let me make that abundantly clear. Um, if you want me to host a live version of the Pub Trivia Experience, I will drink a Dartmouth College, not university, <laughs> college. No, it's Pennsylvania. I didn't go to Dartmouth. Sorry, I just I had friends at Dartmouth, so that's where we drank a lot of Keystone. <laughs> it was close to Boston. Sure, I obviously didn't fair. know this answer, so I did not go to Dartmouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the prerequisites for getting in. I partied there. State nicknames. <laughs> okay, and then your third and final question in the final question categories: um, in unpopular sports in the United States. What is the name of the three stumps on the cricket pitch that the fielding team's players can hit with the ball in order to get a batsman out? I'll lock in. I'll lock in. Locked in? I'm going to lock in. It's too late. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I, I don't know much about cricket, but I think it all uses the same, like, 
I don't want to say etymology because that doesn't make sense. But it's all like cricket, wicket, ticket, all those types of things. And I, I, I think this one is... They don't go cricket, cricket. Maybe it's cricket, wicket. I don't know. Something like that. I, I don't understand cricket. I'm going to stop talking. I think it's wicket. Okay. So Jeff locked in with wicket. Chris, what did you lock in with? Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And then, Mike, what did you say? Well, in the seminal 1990 film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Casey Jones observes that you have to know what a crumpet is to understand cricket. I thought that potentially that was actually a sports reference, so I locked in with that they're called crumpets. Okay, and then, uh, Nikki, go ahead and give us your answer. I just thought maybe it was like a goalpost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, left in with goalpost. Okay, so now we're going to go back through all the questions and your answers, and then this time, uh, please tell the audience what you wagered on those questions. Uh, so we're going to start with super current events. Harry Styles made history this week as the first solo man to appear on the cover of what 127 year uh, what magazine's 127 year run. Uh, Chris, tell us your answer and what you wagered. Uh, my answer was Vogue, and I wagered a shocking zero points. All right, Jeff, give us your answer and your wager. I also went with Vogue and wagered 10. Mike, go ahead. Um, I also answered Vogue, and I thought long and hard about whether to wager zero across the board or whether to risk it all on this question. And I risked it all on this question, so I wagered 24 points and basically torpedoed any suspense related to me for the rest of this uh, wager round. <laughs> you did everything you could. <laughs> Smart. Okay. You did not drink a Keystone beer before you started playing, sir, and that's your fault. <laughs> we're, we're really far from Dartmouth College. I'm sorry. <laughs> the official beer of Dartmouth. You heard it here first. Or Dartmouth. <laughs> all right, Nikki, uh, remind us your answer and tell us what you wagered. I put Vanity Fair, and I wagered two points. Okay, so the correct answer is Vogue. Nicely done, gentlemen. Um, he actually famously uh, was the first solo man to appear on the cover of this magazine. I think it was last week. And he was famously and controversially wearing a dress um, on the cover. And so a lot of people have been uh, giving their opinions on his manlyhood by doing that so it's been been very controversial on the interwebs yeah i mean it was only really one person that made it controversial but true (laughs) okay so your second question in the final round was in state nicknames because of its essential position geographically politically and economically in the founding of the united states what state is known as the keystone state chris tell us your answer and what you wagered uh on this one here I believe I wagered everything that I had, which, after a piss-poor performance, was 20 points. Um, And I said Pennsylvania. Okay, and then, Jeff, what did you say and what did you wager? Yeah, I'm real, uh, real original. I wagered 10 points, and I also guessed Pennsylvania. All right, and then, Mike, what did you say and what did you wager? Oh, wait, we already know uh, what you wagered, but what did you say? 
Yeah, you you know you know what I wagered for the last two questions, but I said Pennsylvania and wage and I had zero points left after putting it all in on the first question. Got it. All right, and then Nikki, what did you say and what did you wager? New Hampshire, two points. <laughs> okay. And so your correct answer is Pennsylvania. Um, and so basically the keystone, um, well, you can kind of think of it as it was a key um, because it was essential geographically of where it was located in the start of the United States politically because a lot, the, a lot of the big bases of everything was there basically when the um, United States was founded. But I read something online that the keystone was like, important part of a pillar on some kind of stone or something so anyway so that's why it's the keystone cities because it's it, basically because it was so essential to the founding of the of the early united states so they're like yeah we can't live without pennsylvania so it's going to be key to our success and that's why they named it that and i probably Good just for totally, you, pennsylvania yeah i probably just totally botched up the history of that but i i'm very tired right now and i don't care about looking at the real <laughs> reason but that's how i interpreted what i read earlier today now, was Keystone Beer founded in Pennsylvania? I'm curious. That I actually do not know. <laughs> <laughs> it could, but it could have been. Pretty sure that it could have been the Colorado. Keystone in the building. Where, I've had yeah, Keystone Beer. I would totally believe that it's from Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. It was like we always played. We always had it when we were playing beer pong. Like it was like the only beer they had. It seemed like it was weird. Well, because it's know. about about the same as Natty. Well, yeah. So I mean, it was like thought, a college beer. I thought Keystone was like trashy Coors. It is oh. pretty much. So maybe and yeah, maybe that is. makes sense then that it would be Colorado. That's the I mean that's the thing that led me to Colorado. Okay, and then so your final question and and the final round um, is an unpopular U.S. sports. What is the name of the three stumps on the cricket pitch that the fielding team's players can hit with the ball in order to get a batsman out? Chris, answer and wager. I wagered zero and said Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Very nice. And then Jeff, what did you say? I uh, went with my favorite alliterative, no, favorite rhyming Ewok, uh, and went with Wicket. And what did you wager for that one? Uh, Let me surprise you here, but I went with 10. Very consistent. Yeah, Um, I'm not that smart. (laughs) Mike, what did you say and what did you wager? Or you wagered zero, what did you say? Uh. I, I wagered zero. Um, I barely have three hours to watch a football game, let alone three days to watch a cricket match. So I know very little about cricket, um, except for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference that I gave earlier. So I just said they were called crumpets. All right. And then, Nikki, what did you say and what did you wager? I just figure every sport has some kind of goal or whatever. So a goal post. So two points. <laughs> Okay, and I almost uh, named this category uh, popular sports on indoor, um, <laughs> but I didn't know if that was going to be a little too too, mu- too many clues, so I changed it. Um, so your correct answer is Wicket. Oh, nice. I've actually heard of the Wicket. I just didn't think that was what it was. I yeah. thought those were the two posts at the end where the batsmen stood. Yeah, I thought so, those were the Wickets. So when I looked at the picture of it online, it's like, what it looked like in the picture that I looked at, it was right. It was right behind where the batsman was. So if like someone threw the ball at it and the batsman didn't swing or whatever and it hit those, it got out. But I know, all I know is that it was like three stumps, and they said the ball could not go through those stumps. Like it got stuck. Like it would hit. It would have to if it got within range. It would hit one of those three. Yeah, I don't know. The stumps kind of threw me off, but I just went with anything that I knew from 
ESPN the Ocho. Um, <laughs> well, you had, you had points writing on it. I just I just gave some bullshit. Yeah, that was smart. Um, but I'm pretty sure they are like they're they're like sticks. Yeah. Yeah, they're not it, quite stumps. Yeah, I went with the like I I I searched multiple sources to get the explanation, and for some reason, a lot of people kept calling them stumps. And when I looked at the picture, I was like, eh, that's not really what I would call it, but that's what other people were calling it, and they seemed more knowledgeable. So I was like, I don't know, I'm just gonna. Well, they also they also named it Wicked and Cricket, so originality is not their thing. (laughs) Right, for sure. Let me. Have you guys ever played cricket? No. Yes, in um, in uh. PE class in seventh grade, my teacher was actually British and insisted that we did a week unit on cricket. Um, so I have played cricket, and I realized when we were when we were playing it that all of the fielders were standing in front of me, but basically, like the field is sort of boundless in a yep. way. So when the pitch came in, I cocked my body to the side and hit it way off to my left where nobody was standing, <laughs> and I scored like thirty runs or whatever the heck they call it in, in cricket but cricket cricket bats actually pretty cool like i i mean i enjoyed it but again it's just it's a very long sport with a lot of weird rules it's so. a very yeah. different swing than baseball like it doesn't it is it doesn't work that like, the flat I mean, head of the bat is weird it's just um, a play, defensive uh, swing yeah you're definitely more defensive than you are offensive yeah yep yeah so when i was in high school i played baseball um and one of the guys on the team actually I don't know, got a cricket bat of whatever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's called a cricket <laughs> bat. Uh, and so brought it out to baseball practice, and we just kind of messed around. Uh, but I would not call that playing cricket. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is it any different than your softball swing? Uh, wildly, because I was more in shape and also practiced then. Okay, Jeff. Uh, Jeff has come out on top. He is the winner. With um, he just like killed you all, basically. Yeah, he destroyed. Uh, yeah, he, he destroyed, destroyed us because he, he I did. came in second and he beat me by thirty points. Yeah. So Jeff has seventy eight points. Mike came in second with forty eight, and then uh, running out the cellar and drinking all the wine in the cellar is uh, Chris <laughs> and Nikki with forty points each. Woo-hoo. Yay! No losers here. Good job, Jeff. I, I do think we need to take a brief time out and apologize to all of our listeners in uh, Great Britain and India for <laughs> <laughs> for our knowledge or complete lack thereof of cricket. Really? Because I was about to apologize to all the women where I went over on Nikki's <laughs> questions. Yeah. No, but uh, everyone, that's been another episode of the Pub Trivia Experience. Uh, if you have not done so already and you enjoy the banter and the zaniness of the pub trivia experience, I guarantee you're going to love Boozy Bracketology. It's our sister podcast where we will take any any topic you can think of and put it into a March, March Madness-style bracket. So in the previous months, we have done the best Disney or Pixar movie, the best comic book movie, the best sports movie, and then... In November, the best restaurant, and I got a shocking little twist for you here. In December, we're going back to movies and TV specials. We're going to find the best holiday movie or TV special ever made. You do not want to miss this, but for the pub trivia experience, I have been Chris. I've been Leah. I'm Jeff. Nikki. And Mike. Have yourselves a great week, everybody.
and uh, Mike and Nikki. No, I just thought of something else. <laughs> oh, I was like, are you forgetting <laughs> this school? I'm having an intervention. Chris Mike. is having a stroke. It's all fine. <laughs> yeah. Mike and Nikki, how y'all doing tonight? We're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> I'm not really sure what just happened, but no, uh, I, I was thinking about most people the, don't remember like Alabama's on the map, so he probably right. just was confused about <laughs> where you, we live. You coming back to us there, Chris? I'm bad. And I was thinking about uh, the episode that I just edited tonight. Jeff, you have to bring me back here real quick. So when the hurricane came through, we were in the middle of recording an episode, and mm-hmm. we lost power and internet like 15 minutes in. Right? Yep. Jeff is frozen on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, his face is so goofy. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jeff, are you back? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Where are you guys? <laughs> you were frozen here. on my screen like this. Yeah. How fun. It was well. hilarious. Oh, there he is again. Oh, no. No, he's there. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Nope, that's just my face now. So, Jeff, we were, uh, after when the hurricane was coming through, we were recording an episode, right? And we got like 15 minutes mm-hmm. in and it crashed. The episode after that, was that the one that we did with Marital Tiffs? Whereas you... It was, yes. Okay, good. So for a second there, I thought I lost an episode. I, I did not. So that's that's good. That's good. Okay. Back to normal. Hooray! Back to normal. All right, let's, let's redo this. 